It is funny how stress causes us to do weird things. When I was in seminary, the contextual ed director had a poster in her office that says, stress makes people stupid. And anyone who is honest with themselves can think of a stressful situation that has particularly made them stupid, where they've made a bad choice or a bad decision. I'm sorry I'm getting so much wind. They've made a bad choice or a bad decision because they were under too much stress to think it through. They just had to to decide right now. They just had to do the thing, right? This particular story, there is a lot of stress. There's been a lot of foreshadowing in the story up to this point as we have read it, right? Right? We know that Jesus is going to die. He's told the disciples and told the disciples and told the disciples. They know nothing good is coming out of this week by their standards. They know it. They can feel it in their bones. And so generally, we judge Peter and Judas pretty harshly in these stories, right? The world has not been kind to who Judas is or the consequences that Judas faces because of his betrayal and then his suicide. We are not always nice to Peter either. And while we now recognize that Peter went on to build the church, we also recognize that there is kind of a double meaning to this whole Peter the Rock thing, right? He is both a solid place to build the church and kind of dense. And maybe not as bright as box rocks. And so it's easy for us to stand back and say, well, I would never. I would never. Not me. And what's ironic about that is that is the exact thing Peter says, right? I would never deny you, Lord. We often say that our faith is our guiding principle and that whatever we do, we try and make sure that it is in order with God's love and God's will. But the truth is that when we really sit down to face our stressful points in life, sometimes we don't make the best choice. Sometimes we fall into that temptation. And grief is its own type of mammoth Stress. Loss creates a stress that is beyond words. There are all kinds of psychological indicators out there that, you know, you can take that will show different stress levels. And the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, a divorce, moving, and even things like adding a child to your family that's seemingly happy can all build up in stress. Because while at first we might think that the surface level of those things is okay, the truth is underneath all of that there is loss. Whether it's of relationships or home, security or safety, the feeling of health and happiness, independence, and most experts say that one loss in a year is 
all anyone can handle. Two losses, the strong will probably make it, and those who need a little extra support probably should seek it. And by three stressors in a year. So if you uh, get a new job, have a baby, and move, you will need professional help in order to handle the stress and grief that that creates. Even though those three things sound like they should be good news, right? That it is beyond our human capacity to carry those things on our own. So, Judas and Peter are losing their teacher, their friend. They're losing their sense of security, their sense of truth. Their very religion is crumbling out from underneath of them. And so they do some really dumb things. Peter very easily could have said, yes, yes, I do know Jesus. But then what? Then would have he been on trial too? I mean, that's terrifying, right? I love Jesus, but I don't know that I want to die just because I happen to know the guy. But there's the other side of this. What if the people at the fire had said, Tell me about him, tell me your story? Why do you follow him? Why do you know him? Why do you admit to knowing him? That's, that's plumb crazy. You must be dumber than a box of rocks. And yet, he doesn't. And he gets another opportunity, right? Another chance to tell the story, to share the hope, to explain himself, possibly. But he acts out of his fear, not out of his faith. And finally, he gets a third chance. The chance to operate out of faith and not fear. And what does he say? Nope, don't know the guy. Not me. Sorry. We do that sometimes, right? We get the chance to to trust in our faith. We get the chance to take a different path, to tell our story, to tell the story of our loved ones, to explain our loss and our brokenness, to trust in God in the midst of all that chaos that is in our life. And we say, oh, the medicine cured me. Oh, I had this great doctor. Oh, through enough hard work and determination by my own continence, I did this. It's always interesting to listen to stories uh, when I'm not the pastor at the funeral. I always like to hear what the stories that the other pastors tell are. Because often we credit the faith of the person to the person not to the God that gave it. We credit this this life that is lived so well, 
not to a God who is in the midst of that, that over and over offers opportunity after opportunity to live in faith. And that person's response to that, but to how good that person was. The truth is that our faith comes as a gift from God. Our ability to answer those questions in the midst of stress, to live a life that is showing God's love at every step, comes not by our own doing, but the work of God that is in us. The faith that God gives us is a gift at baptism. The Holy Spirit that dwells in our hearts and our ability Grapple with that is not our own. It is the love of God. We rarely testify to the power. I know, I know, don't get all up on me, you're Lutherans. I, I hear you. You still testify, you just do it differently. We rarely tell the story of how our community around us is the presence of the body of Christ. We rarely tell the story of how when we were under stress and pressure, someone came to us and loved us anyway. But that's what Jesus does in this story. Jesus doesn't cast Judas and Peter off. Jesus doesn't look at Peter and say, you know, you were supposed to build the whole thing when I was done with this, and now you're finished. Jesus doesn't look at Judas and say, you're never being loved again. You are done forever. Jesus looks at them with love and forgiveness and hope. Jesus still uses Peter, who can't even answer faithfully under stress that he knows Jesus, let alone testify to Jesus' love for him. To build what would become even our church today. It is a holy and God-driven thing. It can be easy for us in the midst of our grief to come up with those things we've done wrong. Right? We're always good at seeing our flaws. We are always good at seeing the places we should have done more the places where we failed as a community to support those who were hurting, the places that we should have lifted others up, that we should have carried the burden more, the places where we let fear and anger guide us instead of faith and hope and love. And we can hold ourselves against that for a long, long, long time. I have watched multiple people kill themselves with grief slowly maybe not with the noose and the tree that Judas used but just as painfully through self-hatred and through self-struggle and through self-loathing because they're just I should have done more I should have seen this coming I should have I should have I should have and we all know what Pastor Kara says right Don't shit on yourself. Don't do it. It gets you nowhere. It is guilt for things you cannot change. 
God never shoulds on us. Jesus never looks at anyone and says, you shoulda. Jesus looks at his disciples with love and forgiveness, is willing to go to the cross even though it's not his guilt to take, is willing to carry our lives all the way to the cross. And so when we sit here with all that pain and all that suffering and all that fear, Jesus doesn't look at us and say, you know, you should have. You should have had more faith. You should have used it better. You should have trusted me. You should have answered yes. Jesus looks at you and says, I love you just the way you are. I forgive you for who you are. I can still use you to proclaim my love to the world. So when we look around and we feel loss and grief and pain, when the last umpteen years, as it feels, has been too much and the world seems like it's getting worse instead of better, when our checkoff list of things we've lost and wish we had is overpowering and overwhelming, we don't have to shit on ourselves. All we have to do is recognize that somewhere in the midst of all this, Is God's presence. In the somewhere in the midst of all this, God has brought us this far. God has carried us through our grief, through our pain, through our suffering, this far. And Jesus is willing to go so much further for us. And if God is willing to do that, why would God quit on us now? If God is willing to give his only son so that we might have forgiveness, if God is willing to bear with us in all of our places that we could have, would have, should have done better with forgiveness and grace, why would God stop here? God has always kept the holy promises. God has always loved God's holy people. God has always supported us and always forgiven us. And so while it might feel like fear is the best answer, we have nothing to be afraid of. When push comes to shove and kisses turn to deceit, when denial is the first thing out of our mouth, even though we know better. God's first answer is forgiveness. God's last word is love. And God's last proclamation is to go to the end of the world and tell that story. Invite people to the waters of baptism that they could have the gift of faith too. And that while it's not always our strength to do so, to recognize that the promise that faith will triumph over fear is not ours to do. The work of God who works through us in community and together to accomplish. And that that is good news for us 
for all people.